and welcome to the Psalm 40 Project. Uh, my name is Jonah, and today with me is, um, well, myself. Um, hang on, one second. Welcome to the Psalm 40 Project. I'm Pastor Mike, and today with me is Jonah Gallahu, and uh, we are, he's handing off the baton, the interviewing baton to me today. So, Jonah, it's good to be together. Yeah, we haven't done this in a little while. No, and we made it to this point, finally. Yes. I mean, yes. we'll, we'll talk more about how this developed, but it was quite a while ago when we kind of brainstormed it's this It's been, thing, what, so. over six months or so? That's right. So, yeah, it's great to see uh, the reaction that people have been giving yeah. it. So Jonah, the burning question on everybody's mind is this. Oh, there's a burning question. There's on a burning okay. question when it comes to you, and that is this. How does someone who gets an MDiv at Calvin Seminary end up being a communications coordinator, of all things, rather than a traditional pastor? Yeah. Many of you might have just realized that I have an MDiv from Calvin Theological Seminary. So that that is true. I... Um, you know, to be honest, I've kind of fallen head over heels into this position a little bit more than uh, maybe seeking it out or things like that. Yeah. Uh, I used to run audio boards when I was in college. That's sort of how I paid my way to get through college. Um, now, what does that mean, run audio boards? I'm sorry, I'm a... Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I, I'm the guy that's up there moving the faders around. Okay. This was for the university. Okay. So I did uh, musicals, presentations, 16-piece uh, bands, uh, things like that. Cool. And we would run 130 events a semester. So that was sort of my initial step into this role was when I came to Grand Rapids, I needed a job. And after my, about my first semester into seminary, I stumbled across LaGrave's posting that they needed somebody to run their audio video department. And so I interviewed, got that position, and it slowly just spiraled from there. I finished my MDiv and the communications committee was wondering what I was going to do next. They started to envision the the position that is now the communications coordinator. So that's kind of how I've just ended up in this position. Yeah. Uh, was just sort of this, um, you know, this this sort of trajectory of using a skill set that I have developed outside of the classroom. So we jumped right into your current day. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, God at work before like, university and, and, yeah. and thinking about how your growing up experience, your university experience shaped you in other ways to do a ministry like this. So I can trace all of this back to uh, my parents' separation when I was about 10 years old. Uh, I can honestly say that if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here and that's you know that's just the way it is like my life path completely diverged at that point uh, just moving to different a different city okay. which then uh, put me in the prime place for uh, my alma mater Waynesburg University they were on the west coast recruiting for students and because of where I was living uh -huh. I went to that college fair 
and they basically had everything that I wanted at that time. I wanted to play college football. Okay. I wanted to study criminal justice, and I wanted to study psychology. I wanted to be the uh, the profiler, the guy who kind of came up with like the psychological makeup of criminals, individuals. Yeah. Uh, criminal Minds was a huge influencer at that time. And so I went to Waynesburg, okay. uh, which is in Waynesburg, Pennsylvania, 3,000 miles away from where I grew up. I grew up in California. Wow. So left uh, the desert mountains yeah. or more of the forest mountains. Yeah. And that's sort of where this whole thing kind of started. I enjoyed my criminal justice class, but it really wasn't something I wanted to do with my life. Okay. So I actually spent my entire freshman year um, just kind of floundering, getting some gen eds out of the way, not really knowing what I was going to do. Um, so I actually dropped out of Waynesburg, uh, told him I wasn't coming back, didn't sign up for class, moved back to California yeah. with my mom and spent the summer trying to figure out what I was going to do. And a month, not even a month, probably three weeks before classes started, um, I had no options. So being the good Christian 19 year old that I am, I said, God, if you will get me back into Waynesburg, I will go into ministry. A little bit of Gideon Fleece going on there? Exactly. Okay. So right. I called the vice president of the university who was a mentor of the leadership program I was in. So I had a direct okay. line to him yep. and I said, Hey, I want to come back. What can you do for me? He said, hang on. About the end of the week, he called me back. He said, can you be here on Monday? I got your classes. You're back in the leadership program. I've got all your scholarships back. You just need to be here on Monday. So I came back. I went into music ministry and youth ministry okay. as my majors. And when I graduated, I got a job as okay. a youth pastor. Yep. And it was in a church with students that were very, they were Christians their entire life. So they knew all the Bible stories. Okay. Um, so sitting there with them, I could tell that I was trained to teach basic Bible stories. And I knew that if I wanted to talk with them, grow, help them grow deeper in their faith, I needed more than just sort of surface level Bible stories. My, I had a buddy in college that we did music together. He was out here at Calvin okay. doing a master's in, in worship. Okay. And he said, you know, you gotta come out here. We have the uh, worship symposium. Yeah. And so he's like, you can stay with me, you know, just come out here, check it out. Yeah. So I did. And I didn't meet with anybody at Calvin Seminary. I just hung out for three days with my buddy. And, you know, he kind of was like, this is the program that I'm doing, you know, and we, we went to all the events. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, so with like again, without even talking to anybody, um, I applied, yeah. was accepted, yeah. and basically um, I quit my job. I punched in 
my address to where the apartment that I was and just hit go and started driving. <laughs> and that's that's kind of how I, I got here. A life-changing road trip. Yes. Nice. Um, you know, there are a lot of closed doors. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't necessarily have the... My language isn't that necessarily of God's calling. Yeah. Um, that, okay. That's not. That wasn't something that I grew up with. Um, yeah. And so, but I can definitely look and point at different aspects and be like, yeah, yeah. there's definitely a spot there, right. there, there. <laughs> so I want to circle back to yeah. you have the vice president who who was um, overseeing that leadership mm-hmm. development program at your college. So uh, what other what other people has God used in your life to steer and guide and direct? My music director was probably one of the biggest influences. Um, I really struggled my last year trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Um, I looked into different programs. I thought about even um, doing a music degree at a different university, so spending another two to three years doing an undergrad uh, music degree to pick up all the classes that we didn't have at Waynesburg. Okay. And she just, she was really good at offering me space to talk about that stuff and then just encouraging me to try different areas. Um, You know, nobody really said, oh, Jonah, you need to be a a pastor. Um, Right. But... You know, I always had a, a heart for high schoolers, um, and it's developed into even college um, age ministry. And I, you know, I was also exploring things on uh, health and uh, fitness. Okay. Um, yep. And like, what does the theology is? You know, is there a theology around that? Yeah. Um, okay. So I don't like. Yeah, there's nobody really been in my life that was like, you know, oh, Jonah, you'd be okay. A great pastor um you know my preaching professors at at um calvin thought i was a good preacher yeah um that they said you'd be good at doing this yeah Uh, but the thing is i i never really found the the balance between joy and stress yeah when it came to preaching Mm -hmm. was much higher on the stress level um okay you know we we've listened to peter kind of talk about preaching and how much he loves it and it brings him joy and life and uh it brings me nothing but pit stains yes (laughs) so i you know a couple years into seminary i I realized like that was not okay that was not going to be for me and so now it's it's trying to figure out uh you know try to listen to those around me you know, do some praying um, with what do I do with all of this yeah. skill, like all of these skill all sets. These skills. And yeah. that's sort of, where, you know, this is kind of the place where all of that comes to fruition. So <clears throat> as you think about all the, 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 the spectrum of gifts then that you bring to ministry and ministry here, um, I'm wondering what, how are you thinking now about a theology of communication? 
wasn't on the sheet. I recognize that. Yeah. But but you and I have talked a little bit about that, and and we we think, and I know you think it's important. You know, how does a church? Maybe I'll say it this way: Is there is there something about being the church that that challenges that we have an opportunity to communicate the gospel? You know, through social media and through live streaming and podcasts. How is it the same? How is it different than, say, how Meyer Thrifty Acres would do it? <laughs> I think they, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, is that we do still have something to communicate to the world. Uh, the gospel message has, has been spread, you know, from the, 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 the Jerusalem to Judea, to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the world. Well... Technology now allows us to get further to the ends of the earth. Yes. Um, yes. And we, I think we do it in such a way that we're, we're not trying to push a product. Whereas any sort of other media, any sort of other marketing communications, they're trying to get you to buy something. Um, whereas the church is yes it'd be great if you came and be a part of this uh, body of believers we want you to be a part of the family however it's more about telling god's story than Lagrave's story like yes we are going to tell Lagrave stories yes but the point of doing that is to tell god's story at work here at Lagrave. And that's sort of the invitation is, you know, we are still telling the gospel story. Um, you know, you don't, you don't have to buy something. That, I mean, that's, like, that's the whole gospel, right? Exactly. Like, it's yeah. freely given. That's right, yeah. And, that's, and I think that that's sort of the way that the church looks at it. Um, I'm not all churches. Right. But I think as LaGrave has sort of stepped into this realm that... From the beginning, we've wanted to tell God's story, um, and the, and all the stories that God's doing here, um, and it's a lot. That's right. In fact, I think at the start of this, I was really skeptical, personally, about social media and the impact, and and how how do you? But I think probably it was in conversations that we had together about thinking of this in terms of storytelling that I began to come around and, and see the, the potential for this. Yeah. So um, talk a little bit about what have you learned from an analysis perspective about our reach? How, how does no. social media, how are we reaching beyond the four walls of our church with our social media work so far? Yeah. What are some things you've learned? So, so far, I think the the beginning of this was sort of the live stream. Okay. And I, I've actually known some churches, even in the area, that have tried live streaming, and it died. Um, okay. They, and, and I think that's because, and I think what makes LaGrave so successful is that from the beginning, it was about reaching our members who couldn't attend the church versus what well, we want to get ourselves out there, okay. which is oftentimes what other churches are doing. Um, I think we've sort of been able to 
grab and kind of bring the live stream into part of worship because we want to reach those who just can't get here. So, yeah. like you were saying, um, you know, we have shut-ins that watch, people who go on vacation. We have um, seasonal membership here just yeah. because of the way people's lifestyles are. Right. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to put numbers behind it, uh, this summer we probably had anywhere from uh, 50, 60 to 100, maybe 110 views. Okay. And when it comes to that, I like to double the number of views yep. um, to try to get us a rough estimate on people. Okay. And the reason why I double that is because sometimes you'll have people watching by themselves, yep. and then other times you'll have families, two, three, four, five people. So, you know, on average, we're probably reaching 120 to maybe 180, 200 people uh, with just the live stream on Sunday, and that's with all three Sundays. So there's about, you know, that, that number kind of correlates to who want to be a part of the church service, but for circumstances can't, sick children, things like that. Yeah. With that, we've branched into even YouTube live streaming. Yeah. And some of that, I was just like, I want to make this more convenient for those with smart devices, whether you have a smartphone or a smart TV, things like that. The funny thing is that we have very few people who use YouTube um, okay. just within our own church. Yep. They probably don't know about it. They don't, you know, they're comfortable going through the website. But we get more watches than what happens on Sunday. So we'll have maybe three to five people watch on YouTube on a Sunday. Yeah. I'll go back and look at the video and we'll be at like 15 or 20 or surprisingly somewhere upwards of like 35. And that's because the Graves content somehow gets mixed into YouTube's algorithm and it's then suggested to other people that this might be something they're interested in. And so I'm pretty sure most of our YouTube audience are people who don't know much about our church. Wow. And they're just, they're just stumbling across wow. the content. Um, and, that's, and that's sort of the way Facebook works as well. Okay. Um, you know, we put something out there and then by people liking it, sharing it, commenting on it, it gets further and further spread. Okay. Um, and that means that people not associated with this church sees some of that content out there. Okay. Um, you know, oftentimes it's going to be people with some sort of Christian background. Sure. Again, an analytics works that way. Yeah. But it will come across to people who don't know anything about our church. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of where we're at is, you know, we're stepping into this realm um, you know, next step would be putting some dollars behind Facebook, behind Google, and, you know, spending a little bit of money on advertising okay. and getting ourselves out there. But for the most part, you know, we are, we've stepped into that realm. We're getting the, you know, the message out there yeah. further than what we could do with yeah. just preaching on Sunday. So, um, 
this is a curiosity question for me, and I think maybe members of our church would be interested in this as well. We've been talking about our reach and reaching to the ends of the earth. So what's, can you tell, is there any analytics that come back like some crazy far off place that you said, wow, they looked at, they watched our live stream in? Yeah. So we do we do have people who watch in like Romania. Oh wow! <laughs> because we might know who. Yeah. We, we have a couple people there who are part of the church. Uh, so that's you know it's it, I can't see it anymore because we changed okay. um, providers. And before it was kind of fun because you could kind of see around the country. The interesting thing um, because YouTube and Vimeo don't necessarily show you that content. Okay. Um, our podcast, which for those of you who don't know, the podcast is the uh, is the sermon, yep, in a way that you can listen to it on your smart devices, yes, uh, through your podcast app. You can listen while you're going down the exactly. driving down the road. That's exactly, yep. um, that is actually getting an international reach. Oh wow! And um, I see things like Mexico and Spain, a couple other countries like that that okay. it it allow it is getting out there to other countries right yeah. that we really don't have any connection in um, but I can tell that these people are watching on a, or listening in a fairly regular way okay that's so. exciting news yeah. wow so um, what about the future the future of communication ministry for I don't know, church in general, the grave specific. I know you've been to some conferences. You're always, you're reading about this stuff. You know, what, dream a little bit about the future of communication ministry at the grave. Yeah, that is an interesting question. Um, I think for starters, it'd be um, good for us just to keep honing what we're already doing. Um, Spend a little bit of time making sure that our audio quality is, is be- as, as good as it can be, mm-hmm. um, our video quality is as good as it could be. That's mainly my main focus right now, but I think it would be also fun if, and this is a little bit because I have a podcasting background, um, but I think it'd be interesting to get LaGrave, the ministers, um, you know, other people who are knowledgeable to, to start talking about things that are happening in the world you know mm-hmm. you, we and I think the sermon does some of that for us mm-hmm. which is very nice the church doesn't the church is one of those entities that doesn't necessarily need to make content all the time because the content's already there okay whether yep. it's the sermon whether it's the music whether it's the, the the gems program or the boy scouts or even those who are doing stuff in the community all of those are stories all of that's content the church is then responsible to gather that and disseminate it out so we don't have to necessarily produce more content but I also think it'd be kind of good for us to have a platform that maybe we can address some things that people have questions about Um, you know we've done that in in growing you mm-hmm. uh, in some cases, but growing you's material hasn't gotten out there. Right. You know, hasn't got beyond these four walls. Um, so that's one thing I might, I think I'm going to try this year 
okay. is we we do record it. So mm -hmm. now I'm going to figure out the best way in which we're already doing something to then add that content to. So you'll probably see growing you in podcast form. Okay. Um, this fall. And sometimes these platforms need a more personal face than an organizational face. Okay. Even sometimes things like Facebook or Instagram, um, it, it's sometimes better if a minister is saying something, you know, versus sure. the organization. Um, yeah. So kind of playing with some of those ideas you know, we, we do promo videos where the where Peter talks about what's coming up in the sermon series versus just saying, you know, typing out on a computer those okay. words. And that's sort of, I think we're going to, you know, keep going down that direction. Where can we make more of a personal connection with people? Um, I, and that, I think that's the hope. I think that's the hope. And I think that's, again, that was the one thing I'm skeptical about, which I'm coming around and, and excited about is that, and I think we're wrestling with, is how do we, how do we incorporate the relational connection in yeah. this and not give in to the impersonal uh, it, technology can kind of tend to be impersonal and we're mm -hmm. wrestling with making it personal and relational. Yeah, and I do know that that is a, is a issue. Um, Mm -hmm. And but there are a couple stories out there of people yeah. who watched us live live streamed okay. us and have become members and now attend the service instead of watching it online. Yeah, they're also going to be people that wouldn't ever step foot in this place. That is true. And instead, feel much more comfortable for one reason or another watching it online and. I think the the church needs to be, and and this is the global, you know, church, very generally okay. needs to um, be okay with almost an online congregation. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. there, you know, you you maybe come across people who just have no way of getting here, but for some reason really love this church. Yeah. Um, and and so what do we do with with that you know maybe somebody doesn't have a crc church in their area but they really like what the crc does yeah. and they've stumbled across the grave you know maybe we, we should think about how do we embrace that um instead of always trying to get people to come into the building that's right um so that might be a conversation for down the road that we can also have yeah all right one last question okay and maybe I've asked it in slightly other ways, but I want to ask it this way. How is your work pastoral? Um, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit with the how do we make it personal. Okay. I spend a good bit of time talking with yourself, yeah. uh, with Peter, with Christy. Um. Yeah. Even. Even. Yeah. All the ministers. Now that I'm. Actually, you were gonna even, say even Bob. <laughs> I was gonna say even Bob. I really was. <laughs> I was gonna say even Bob. Uh, no, but I actually talk with all the ministers. Yeah. About how do we use these things as a tool? Yeah. Um. 
you know, batting around the idea of, well, what if we did, you know, something online, but at the same time, we want to make sure those people feel connected and we know, we know that screens do not do that as well as face to face. So again, you know, you know, hypothetically, if we did something online, like some sort of online meeting, we want to discuss meeting in person as well. Yeah. Uh, and I and I think that that is sort of where my ministry is. Um, but also, my ministry is interacting with the people online. Like we yeah. don't necessarily yes. get a lot of comments on our on our content and stuff like that. Um, but when that does happen. That's, you know, my my space, my realm. Right. You know, sometimes I got to come to the minister and be like, "How do we handle this?" Sure. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for the most part, you guys aren't needing to check all of that out, you know, because I can handle it. Yep. And I also, I'm, you know, I think the ministry is building something, getting the technology in such a way that it's reliable for people. Um, that they can rely on live streaming so they can then be fed by worship, by the music. Um, so it, it it has both like a, a, a people part, but then a utility side of it yeah. too. Like yeah. just making sure that the camera works. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. <laughs> is, is part of the ministry. Yeah. That's right. Because without that camera working people wouldn't be able to worship in the same way that they can right now. So, Well, and I know that I've appreciated, you know, times when I produce some content, maybe it's Monday for Missions or an email blast, and you'll come back with a question that's, how do people think about this formationally or, or yeah. ministry? Or is this, the, is this a ministerial question we want to communicate? And that's really been helpful in your theological training and God's formation in you shows up in those insights yeah and i've really i've appreciated the space to be able to do that because there i mean there are times where like we word something and it's like i we we all know what it's supposed to say yeah but if we just put it out there yeah it could come across poorly and so just being able to kind of come back and say i like what you said but how about this instead um and that's you know i think that's part of um where my my theology education meets the technology stuff is uh, you know I've told people I can take a a 20 25 minute sermon and reduce it down to 4 minutes without losing the con, you know the the main right. point um, you lose everything else yeah cuz there's much more impacted in the uh, 25 minutes than 4 minutes yes but if we wanted to get something out there that people online might watch a four minute video is going to do it versus a 25 minute video um but it's all because i understand how sermon writing goes exactly and i under you know i understand the theology that the minister is trying to that's right get out there so it's it's a very it's a very uh trailblazing (laughs) venture that i am on right now with everybody else in the office 
Well, Joan, I, I know I speak for my colleagues for the rest of the congregation. We appreciate uh, the work that you're doing in our congregation, and we're glad that you're here with us. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thanks for participating in this interview.